Hi there and welcome to episode 67 of the Writing Guy podcast. I'm Scott Keyes of the Writing Guy, helping professionals to find their voice, write human and change the world with their words. So it feels like it was only a few hours ago, well it was actually a few hours ago that I did episode 66, but here we are, um, Monday morning, not really bright and early, kind of 9.15. Um, so I think it's going to be a, another short one today, but let's carry on talking about Windy. If you remember, this is the troll that suffers from literary flatulence, waffle wordiness and wind, uh, owing to his uh, bean his bean only diet. Um, so yeah, thinking about this, you know, this, this problem with wordiness, the, the bottom line about this is that if you feel insecure or lack confidence about the quality of your content, that's likely to compel you to kind of swell or dress up or tart up or puff up your ideas with extra words. But all that does, it doesn't really, it does, it does nothing but kind of alienate the reader and obscures your message. The, the, the point about great writing, and, and this is really to do with, with your content, is to do with content, which is good ideas stand up on their own. You don't need to dress them up or tart them up or puff them up with high register, you know, formal, highfalutin, fancy words. You really don't. They stand up on their own. So if you find yourself, you know, being very wordy, then you, you, you need to challenge the quality and the rigour of your content, of your ideas. Um, so anyway, I'm, let me give you some more examples. I, I said yesterday, I've kind of, in my book, Rhetorica, I've identified a number of sort of discrete categories of, of needless words. If you remember, uh, this is all about conciseness. And, um, you know, the single guaranteed way of writing concisely is to omit needless words. And here's some more examples of waffle and wordiness. So we could say, at this present moment in time, we are currently offering free coffee. Well, there's so many needless words in there, it's <laughs> pretty obvious. You know, at this present moment in time, if, if it's at this moment, then it's present, so you don't need present. We know that a moment is a unit of time, so you don't need the phrase in time. And then the fact that the verb is in the present tense, we are offering free coffee, uh, uh, obviates the need to use the word currently. Um, and in fact, if you're offering, I suppose you, you have to say it's free, but we just say we, the ver version would be, we are offering free coffee. You know, I don't know what that saving is, but it's at least... It's at least half as short, um, or twice as short, however you want to, to phrase it. Um, another example, I'm just going to take a sip of my tea. Send it to our office, which is located in the city of Boston. Well, you know, frankly, most people know that Boston is both a city and a location. So just say, send it to our Boston office. Really easy. Uh, here's a here's a goodie. Here's a good one. <coughs> Excuse me. In the interim period between the years of 1999 to 2004, well, you could just say obviously interim means it's a Latin word meaning between. So you could just say between 1999 and 2004, 
Or you could use an N dash between those two numbers. And you could just write 1999 N dash, which is the medium sized dash. It's not a hyphen and it's not an M dash. It's the, it's sort of, as I say, the, the, the medium sized sort of dash, horizontal dash. Just write 1999 N dash 2004. Okay. So just a quick. Um, what's the difference between an N dash, confusingly spelt E-N, hyphen dash, and an M dash, confusingly spelt E-M hyphen dash? An N dash is to convey a range of values or, me- or dimensions or measurements. So as in, as in this case with the numbers. Uh, or if you were giving the, the time of a course, you might say the, the course... Uh, the timing of the course is 0900 N-1700. So it ends at 5 o'clock in the evening. An M-dash, which is so called because the dash was the width of the letter M in the good old-fashioned days of hot metal letter typesetting. The M-dash we use um, either parenthetically, so to bracket... Uh, a clause or a phrase. So you might say, the cat, dash, exhausted from its fight with the dog, dash, flopped onto the mat. So that's one use, or I suppose a double use, really, if you're using two parenthetically as brackets. Uh, but the most common use of the M dash is to sort of, is to add a bit of drama. It kind of, it, it adds an afterthought or a dramatic punchline to your writing. So you might say, the young boy recognised the old man, dash, it was his father. Um, Bisexuality is great, sorry, very politically incorrect. Bisexuality is great, dash. It doubles your chances of a date on Saturday night. So, you you know, it's the punchline, really. Now, my advice about M and the economists use M dashes all the time, by the way. My advice to you is use them sparingly. Um, when they're overdone, like anything that's overdone or overblown, it just lo- it loses its impact or its power. So I'm going to leave it there for now. Um, what's the bottom line from this episode 67? Well, the bottom line is that I think this really is the this really is the bottom line, which is that if your ideas, if your content is good enough, then you don't need to dress it up with fancy or waffly or jargony or you know wordy language. Have the courage to put your ideas on a plinth, let them stand on their own. Um, for the for the reader's edification, erudition, and education, and that that in itself is a very verbose and wordy ending uh, to episode sixty-seven. I hope to see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye now.